The views expressed on the following program of those of its hosts and participants in no way reflect those of the staff or management of WNRI. Authors Hour. Get the story behind the story. It's all on the Authors Hour. You'll get to hear the authors talking about their books and the journey behind how it all began. Join the opportunity to hear the insights on what inspired them to write it. Now, here is your host, Wayne G. Barber. And good morning, America. You know what today is. It is Tuesday, 905, 250th edition of the Authors Hour already on Smokin' 99.9 FM, WNRI. Today we have a doubleheader schedule for you. Uh, John D. Simone, The Road to Delano, and uh, Mr. K.G. Uh, Gorelick. He's got his third book coming up in the second half. First part of our show is going to be sponsored by Association of Rhode Island Authors. Anyone can join the Association of Rhode Island Association of Authors. But you'll find that a published author and an aspiring author with a complete manuscript will benefit most from our membership. In addition, your membership fee helps support all Rhode Island's most talented writers. Benefits of being an ARA membership include networking with dozen of local published authors at our monthly meetings that are always held on the second Thursday of the month. Presentations from industry pros on a wide array of published topics, exclusive invitations to speak and conduct your presentations at libraries and other venues. Advanced notice of any expos, festivals, and any other event where books are sold. A reduced table fee at the Rhode Island Authors Expo, a website link in IRA's members directory, and so much more. Check us out at www.riauthors.org. I did. And also you can communicate with the show 24-7 at WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. And we have some happy birthdays to announce over the airways today. Uh, Councilman Steve Rawson, a Republican from Boroughville, big birthday today. I'll bet she's out hiking. Uh, second half guest of today's show turns 71. Birthday author Ken Gargalic will be on second half. Uh, Beatrice Waisland turns 52 today. Scotty Hopkins turns 42. Go Jimmy Johnson. And Amy Arsenault turns 34. And on Wednesday, one of Raul Rogers' uh, best friends here, Russ Olivo, has turned 63 on Wednesday, along with Ray Cook. Happy birthday to everyone. WayneWNRI at Yahoo.com. GNR Appliance Repair. With today's fast-paced, high-stress way of life, a broken appliance can be a real problem for the family. When your kids need clean clothes for school and your washer isn't working, what options do you have? Appliance repair is often less expensive than the new purchase, and with today's prices, we are all trying to watch our finances. GNR Appliances services all Rhode Island and Southern Mass for refrigerator repair, dishwasher repair, cooktop and stovetop repair, microwave repair, Freezer repair and so much more. GNR Appliance Services 401 765 2023. Convenient hours of Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. GNR Appliance Repair. When your appliance is hurting, call George Gurton. Also, GNR has a 90 day parts and labor guarantee on all of their work. They also do installation 
of all appliances, especially those ACs. Everybody's ordering them now with that stimulus money. And in my case, a senior citizen discount. So if your appliance is hurting, call George Girton. It's going to warm up this afternoon. Jeff says it's going to be right around 80 degrees. And San Diego Sundays is the newest ice cream shop in the area. Located at 200 Main Street in Blackstone. And Autumn is really pumping out the ice cream over there. She's also looking for two more attendants to work there. So please apply. Gifted ice cream, over 20 flavors, six days a week. They open at noontime till 8. And then uh, later in the week, they're open until 930 uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to 9.30, Tuesday through Thursday, 8.30 p.m. And also, special announcement, San Diego Sunday's got the permit and the training. They've got a grill in there right now for all your summer favorites. San Diego Sundays at uh, 200 Main Street Blackstone, right behind the convenience store, on that bike path, 774-235-5055. On the line right now, we have John DeSimone, The Road to Delano. What a book this is. I got it. I couldn't put it down. And uh, let me give you a little uh, forward on it. Uh, John is a novelist and a teacher. He's been an adjunct professor and holds an MFA in creative writing from Spalding University. He recently co-authored books including Broken Circle, a memoir of escaping Afghanistan uh, with Mr. Miller and Courage to Say No with Dr. Mahmoud about the struggle against sexual exploitation as a female physician in Karachi. His novel, Leonardo's Chair, explores a world-cast artist who attributes his creative ability to chair his own, a chair that he claims was created and empowered by Leonardo da Vinci. In 2012, and I've got to ask him about this, he won a prestigious Norman Mailer Fellowship to complete this book, The Round to Delano. His work was received notable uh, uh, critical recognition already, and he lives in Southern California. How are you this morning, John? I'm great. Thank you for having me on your show, Wayne. Thank you for writing this book. Oh, it is. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed it. It it is my type of book. Now, this is, uh, you're very special today, John, among other things as a writer. But you are on the anniversary. It's our 250th episode of the Author's Hour. Uh, We started it back in January 2016. Uh, I started writing books. I joined an association, Association of Rhode Island Authors, and I realized there was no shows about writing in this area. So we launched it. We've had a whole lot of fun with it, and we've attracted a whole new set of listening ears around the world. This show is going out right now 13 different ways, including Alexa, Apple, uh, anything on the Internet. And uh, really, really growing in numbers, and I'm so honored to have you on the show. How did that fellowship work? I know you were involved in other books. Some of them you make your pitch. Some you have a publicist. Uh, some you do want to create space and you know, take the chance yourself. How did you go about this application process to get this fellowship? Well, 
Well, it's, it's a competitive process, just like um, uh, any fellowship or um, residency for, for artists. Uh, you submit um, writing, a, a section of writing. In this case, I, if I remember correctly, uh, I submitted the first uh, 30 page, 20 pages of the book, which is the sugar section of the current book. And it was pretty much in the form uh, that you see it, um, maybe not as not as polished, obviously. Um, and uh, they chose, I believe, 12 writers. And that, that fellowship was going on for about 10 years, and they moved it. In, it was housed on Providence, um, in, in the town of Providence, on Cape Cod. Uh, and it was, we held our, our, our daily meetings in Nora Mailer's house, um, and it was it was just an, a fantastic experience. I worked with um, um, an, an author who led who led the uh, the workshops, and um, it was every day. If, if you know how workshops work, uh, every day there's maybe twelve authors around a table, and um, you're up for you submit your your piece the week before or the day before it's very intense because you're reading every day and then you critique two of the author's works from say 8 30 to to 11 30 12 and then you have the rest of the day to work on uh your writing and we did that for five days a week for a month so it's pretty intense i got to workshop the whole book practically and um got a lot of um, a lot of work done. It was fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, it's amazing. It's the first type of uh, book and an author set up that working with a fellowship. Uh, so that means editing on this particular book was out of your hands? It's, it's not as much um, editing as it is um, critiquing and brainstorming. So in a workshop environment, um, which many of your 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 audience, if if they they're writers or they've been in the, these these sessions, it's the same as a writing group or a um, a workshop group in a MFA program or a writing program. Um, uh, in this particular one was written was led by a very accomplished writer whose name is Jeff Allen. He he lives there on the on the East Coast, and um, we would read the piece before so let's say we submitted 30 pages so that e the evening before the day before we're reading 60 pages of other people's works 30 pages each and then each person gets two hours of discussion you go around the table and discuss the piece it, and the reactions of the um your fellow writers can be anywhere from uh sweet and lovely to um um, absolutely brutal. So the range is usually in the middle, and good critiquers aren't brutal, or, or are they sweet? They're they're objective. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. Here's what I liked about your character. Here's some thoughts on your writing that I didn't uh, didn't understand. And so each everyone gets um, you know a turn to go around the table. So it's a, it's um, I'll say this: the workshop method which almost every accomplished writer has been through at some time in their life, um, 
can be very intimidating. Uh, and it's an inexact science. So you have 12 people reading your book, 11 people, you're the 12, plus the instructor. And um, you get 11 different opinions on your book. So which one, which one are you going to take? Now, there might, you know, hopefully four or five people all are saying similar things. And that's kind of what you clue in on. So you get a sense of how people are reacting to it, how other writers are reacting to it. And these people are not your relatives. They have no, um, they have no duty to you to be kind uh, as if you uncles and aunts and, and brothers or sisters read the book. And um, uh, they have a duty to you to be objective. And so um, in the course of writing this book, I workshopped this book all over the country. Um, it was a very challenging book for me to write getting the structure right, getting the, um, getting the conversations right. Um, it took me four or five years to write this book. That and, long, um, if you're just listening, you're listening to the Author's Hour on W1RI.com, uh, worldwide distribution on that anywhere in the country. Uh, very free, uh, free apps also on Streamer, Simple, uh, Alexa, Apple. There's so many ways to listen to the show. And we're talking with uh, writer D, uh, John D. Simone, The Road to Delano, uh, forward by Mark Grossman, the Cesar Chavez Foundation. A high school senior, Jack Duncan, dreams of playing college baseball and leaving the political turmoil of the agricultural town Delano behind him. Ever since his father, a grape grower, died 10 years earlier, he suspected that his mother has been hiding the truth from him about the suspicious circumstances surrounding his death. You got into the research on this on so many different levels. Uh, migrant workers, uh, high school sports, and the way uh, I just read this chapter last night on the rivalry between the two baseball teams and uh -huh. I, I, I zoned in that and related to that because as a grandfather with eight grandchildren and two greats and being a former Little League uh, umpire-in-chief, and I mean I live for amateur baseball, including American Legion now with one of my grandsons, I actually felt like you made me part of the team. You were so precise on that chapter in the book. And then you add the element of the uh, rivalries, uh, the migrant workers, the cops coming in, and like the current struggles of today with the riots around the world. It was just magical. And I read it twice. I, I read it, and I said, this is really good. And I got more out of it the second time I read it. And I said, this thing is absolutely spot on. I don't know how you came up with that description. Did you play amateur baseball? No, um, you know, but I've been around baseball in, in terms of a spectator my entire life. Um, as, you know, it's our national sport. And I've listened to it narrated. Um, and so that's running through my head. 
And then um, I, for many years, lived in Fullerton, right across the street from the uh, stadium for the Cal State Titans. I don't know if you heard that, you know. In California, yeah. In California, in Fullerton. And there was a very famous uh, coach there. His name's Augie Garrido. And um, won national championships with Cal State, um, California State University, then University of Texas. Very, very famous. Retired to Newport Beach and died a couple years ago. And uh, I just was always a fan of his. He could go anywhere and start get teams winning. And he wrote a book on the inside of baseball, and I used a lot of his ideas. So I, I tried to get the coach's ideas inside. Um, and then what would, a, what would a kid look like? This is what the work of a fiction writer does. A fiction writer doesn't have to, to you know, they say write what you know. Well, if I wrote what, my, what I knew, there would be no historical novels if, if we wrote what we knew. So we have to go out and learn these things. I did not know anything about uh, Texas Hold'em, um, and I did not know anything about Cesar Chavez. So the whole kernel of, of truth in this book is the, um, the grape strike led by Cesar Chavez. And um, when I read about that, I am lifelong Californian, I knew about Cesar Chavez. But I didn't know how he used nonviolence to break the back of a very corrupt system here in California. And um, I just thought that was a lifetime achievement, and very little has been written about it from a fiction writer's point of view. I mean, my God, look what's been written about, um, uh, you know, MLK and the, and the nonviolence movement in the South, and rightly so. And there's probably many more stories to be written about. But here in California, we had the convergence of a labor movement, a, um, a social movement in the person of Cesar Chavez um, uh, and his, his, uh, the people that helped him and were around him. And there were quite a few people. He, he's not the only star of the show. Um, but his commitment to nonviolence moved me. And so... That was the kernel of it, the truth of it. And uh, I wanted to put these boys, who are based on real people, uh, in a moral dilemma uh, that they had to deal with their situation based on that truth of nonviolence. That was my goal of the book. And so, without spoiling it, spoiling it for you, um, that was what I was trying to accomplish, and I believe I accomplished that. You did, really. Uh, now, with this fellowship, and I'm not seeing any fancy publisher, there's no Simon & Schuster, no, uh, no St. Martin's no. like that. How is this book being distributed now? Well, uh, a, wor a, word, a word about the publishers. Okay. Uh, this was shopped extensively in New York, and they didn't see any hope for this story. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I was told very clearly that there's no market for this story. I disagree. So, yeah, well, you know, that's why independent publishers have become very popular. And now, it's not been easy to find. It was going, things were going really well until it launched March 10th and March 19th. They closed on all the bookstores. So um, it was 
you know, we had a lot of things going and, and everything came to a halt. So you have to find different ways. This is an unusual time to be marketing a book. And um, uh, it's, it's been very challenging. But I believe that the, uh, the book will, have a, will make a mark over the long term. Maybe not. It's starting to come up. People are starting to read it. Reviews have been excellent. Um, so I found a, uh, I had, oh, probably 40 rejections in New York and, uh, just didn't like the writing, didn't like the, um, uh, the story, um, um, didn't think there was a market for us, uh, who Cesar Chavez, uh, that type of thing. So, um. I found an L.A. publisher, and he's done a very fine job of, of getting it out. Did a really excellent job of getting it in the bookstores, but then they closed. So we're we're going on the airways. We're telling people about it, and I think it's an exciting book that um, people would be very moved by it. It's based on a truth, you know, a true event. That's why I call it a historical novel. And um, I, I truly I believe that New York Times bestsellers are made in boardrooms before the book is even uh, finished from the final editor with the amount of advertising uh, that goes into that type wow. of thing and uh, the big five book publishers in the country. This particular book, I honestly think, should be right now in the top 15 in the top bestsellers in the country, in my opinion. But the most important thing that I'm going to give you on this book I think this book is going to last a lifetime. I really, three years from now, people are going to be buying this book. Five years they will. And grandparents are going to hand this to their grandchildren to read. Well, that's, thank you very much. That's um, very comforting and very encouraging. Um, so, There's so much in the book. I mean, the characters are outstanding. You took the time to just get the reader's interest just a little bit in the character and then switch over to the next one. Then you have got integrated love stories, brutality in the grape fields. I, yeah. You blended it all in magically. You really did. Thank you. It was a lot of research. I'll tell you one of the very satisfying, um, two satisfying things that... Um, I did this all, the research all on my own. I did not contact the uh, Chavez people, which wow. I, uh, until we're about six months out, and the publisher said, look, if you could get someone from the Chavez family or foundation to endorse it, it, it would help. So I sent a letter to Paul Chavez, the uh, president of the Chavez Foundation, and, uh, you know, he didn't know what to make of it <laughs> because... You know, he doesn't read fiction, and um, a very intelligent man. I, and I'll tell you the story about him in a second. And he handed it off to, to Mark Grossman to kind of vet it. You know, who is this guy? Um, and Mark got a chance to read it. it. It took me a lot of cajoling to get him to read it. Mark Grossman was his, Cesar Chavez's uh, um, aide-de-camp, speechwriter, um, assistant uh, for about 18 years. So we knew him very intimately and um, knew the story. And uh, he promised to read it. I had to call him. I called him every Friday or Saturday morning around 9 o'clock 
If I didn't call him on Friday, I'd call him on Saturday for about two months uh, to kind of prod him. I said, we're coming up to deadline here. If you guys want to put a forward in here, you know, you got to read it. And so he finally read it. He loved it. Uh, asked me to make about three changes, which I did, and um, very minor changes. Um, and um, uh, and Paul Chavez was still kind of worried, didn't know anything about fiction. So Mark wrote the, the forward. I was very grateful to him. Then he introduced me to Paul Chavez. That's Cesar Chavez's uh, son. And I was my wife and I were able to have lunch with him up at Keene, and he just um, it was just a wonderful experience. And then about a month into this, um, I got an email from a lady who was Cesar Chavez's um, personal secretary for five years. And she absolutely loved the book, and she said, you got everything right. So I was, I was, very, um, I was very pleased with that. I, I wanted to get it right. I wanted to get right what actually happened, what people said, and what the conflict was. Yep. Um, and I think that's the beauty of a historical novel, is you can go back in time and, and look at this period of history and, and look at it through the eyes of these fictional characters and gives readers an opportunity to appraise it for themselves. Um, something they would not do. They would not pick up the nonfiction books about Cesar Chavez, um, but uh, they would pick up this book. So um, I'm very pleased about that. John, I want to thank you again, second time on the year, for getting this book out there. Um, thank it you. It is very, very well done, and I don't say that lightly, but I love historical fiction, and this was a lot of uh, my age group, being in my age group, I lived yeah. through this. A lot of these things in the book are still happening today, and you've done it in such a magical way. The Road to Delano by John D. Simone. I, I really, grandparents, really think about buying this book for anybody in your family. I think it's a must-read. Uh, part of the American experience is in this book. I, I truly mean that. And it's something that's relevant for today. It's available on Amazon and so many other things. I, it was very easy to find it when I did my search on it. And uh, all the success in the world, John. And are you working on something right now that you can send me and I can read it and get you back on? Um, I will have something for you in, in a couple months, yes. Get I'm it working. to me. I'm okay. I, I like Wayne, your style of writing. Thank you very much. Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. Okay. That concludes that part of the show. A fantastic book, and I don't say that lightly. Milo's Flowers is open right now. Ralph had the pallet jack out there getting all those cheetah tomatoes right out of the road. And I'll tell you, perennials, annuals, you name it. And did you get one of those stimulus checks? Why don't you go over there now, lock in on a nice pallet of those wood pellets from Canada. And uh, 9,000 BTU per pound. The good stuff. Or just because a gift. Uh, tell Jeannie and Ralph what your budget allows, and they will match up the absolute perfect gift for you. Or give them a call, 401-766-3165. And also, finally, they get on the road with that 53-foot trailer, and we're talking about Northeast Race Cars and Speed. 
Well, finally going to get some racing going there. Seekonk's got uh, qualifying allowed by the state of Mass now. Uh, we had one race in New Hampshire over the weekend, and we have Lebanon Valley opening up this weekend in New York. So it won't be long we'll be uh, racing those cars around New England. But if you want to work on your car right now or you need any parts, it's Northeast Race Cars and Speed. Uh, pick up a ship daily by 11 o'clock. The location is 6 Hill Road, Harrisville, Rhode Island. They share the same building with a big addition now of Hopkins Brothers Auto Repair. 401-710-9992, race car part supplier and custom fa- fabrication, chassis setup, just some of the many brands, Simpson, MSD, Willwood, Moroso, and so much more. Race car parts and service from a career-long racer, Mr. Shane Hopkins, 2010 national champ when he was working with Rocco. Uh, they also went direct on Sweet Manufacturing. Uh, the entire catalog mention of this ad, 15% off anything in the catalog. Spartan Chemicals, you gearheads out there know what I'm talking about. SD20, on sale right now, unlimited quantities, $4.99 a can. Northeast Race Cars and Pods and Speed, 401-710-9992. Now we got a little song for you. It's very appropriate for the time. Please enjoy. The group was formed in 1985 in Dover, uh, the UK. And uh, the former Mike Rutherford from Genesis is responsible for this group evolving. It's very appropriate for the riots going on right now. The book of love is long and boring. Charts and facts and figures and instructions for dancing.
Hey, Cereal's Pizza Rammer is adding on uh, limited seating now, outside seating, pickup service, and delivery service. They're located at that Bridgeton Triangle, 405 Church Street in Pasco. Give Jimmy a call. Also, help wanted added Jimmy's. He's looking for short order cooks. 401-568-7187. Imply in person for the job. And today is Jeff Gamache's favorite day at Cereals. You talk about the connoisseur on Italian cooking and pizzas. Every Tuesday at Cereals, a large cheese pizza. And this is a whole whopper, 16 slices, rectangle, nice cornmeal crust with no grease, only $6 every Tuesday. Get one for the beach. Right now, the kids are out of school. They're doing their homework at home. Get a large cheese pizza for $6 every Tuesday. Also, they have changed the format of cereals. Uh, with the epidemic, they've come up with a formula on Facebook. Every single morning, they put the specials for the day on Cereal's Facebook page. Cereal's Pizza Rim and Restaurant on Facebook. Share it like I do with my 5,000 Facebookers. And that's how all that multiplying advertising works. Cereal, and he's also passing on specials. Even though this crisis is going on and you know the restaurants are really getting slammed. Jimmy's passing on the savings, especially to his loyal customers. 52 years keeping cereals in business right here in Pasco. 401-568-7187. One more little commercial, and we are going to get to our second guest of the day. Green Dragon Comics. You got a whole new load of Magic the Gathering in. And when I was over there Saturday, they had four cases of Fortnite. Use gearheads and uh, uh, geeks out there know what I'm talking about. Green Dragon Comics and Collectibles at the intersection of Route 100 and Route 102, One Victory Highway in Chapachet. You can't miss it. She's got an inflatable green dragon right at the road. We are at the dragon. That is her slogan. And Saturday and Sunday from 10 to 6. And you wouldn't believe the stock in that store. Sealed events, dual events, you name it. Anything in gaming or collectibles on comics. If they haven't got it, they'll get it for you awful quick. On the line right now, we have a three-time appearance on the 250th edition of the Author's Hour on Smokin' 99.9 FM, K.W. Garlic. And uh, I believe he's down in Prudence Island now. What a rich guy he is. Massachusetts oh, in the winter. I don't know about that, Wayne. Uh, Massachusetts in the winter, Prudence Island in the summer. And if you remember Ken, like all of my audience does, uh, first time was uh, George's Hurricane, Call Me Madam Alice. And now he's come out with book three, Eldred Incident. On 1944, the height of World War II, powerful natives have the fort that globes vast oceans to near stalemate. In an effort to tip the scales, a Navy destroyer, the Eldridge, is quietly dispatched to the South Pacific on a field mission to test experimental cargo. A new innovation in camouflaging technology known only as the device after the number of successful engagements. All radio contact with the Eldridge is, in, uh, is all, it's all lost. 
the ship with its captain, its crew, and its complement of German scientists has simply vanished. Oh, you got me going right now, and I don't have the book in my hand. Never mind that. Who, who come up with this cover for this book? Uh, a good friend, a, good, a very um, old-time uh, close friend uh, who's a very talented artist. Um, uh, actually, he worked with all, all three of my novels. By the way, good morning, Wayne. How are you? Fantastic. Now, <laughs> I couldn't wait to get you on the air on this book. Just the cover alone really gets my curiosity up. I did notice... Well, it's kind of a striking cover that does kind of reach out and grab you. I did notice you uh, expanded your books on this and your amount of content, and you increased with this one to 302 pages, working with Stillwater, uh, Steve Porter, and Dawn right down here in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, right. getting his book out. Uh, books, right, yes. Um, Steve, um, Steve and Dawn have been very helpful. Yep. Now, you ended up with 302, in the, uh, 302 pages in the final cut on this to get it out. How much of an editing problem was this on the book? Did you have 500 pages? Uh, no, no, I didn't. I didn't, didn't have to uh, shrink it down too much. Uh, uh, you know, my my whole approach to my all three novels is I, I, I like to take real uh, historical events, um, do a lot of research them, and then weave them into a um, into my fiction, into my novel. And so, so, so like the first one, I dealt with the. Um, uh, the Titanic. I researched that, and I, and it, as well as the 1938 hurricane was part of the first book called Me Mad at Malice. So I take those real historical events, and then I weave, weave them into, into my my fiction. And I have characters, that, uh, and there's my dog, of course, chipping in here. Um, so yeah, it, to me, it's you know developing characters, make make the plot believable. And the other thing too that I'm I, I don't I don't like to plot along. I'm a, all my novels are fast moving, so I, I like to keep people's um, interest and keep them captivated. So and that's what I do. That's well, my goal. That's what you did in the first two. I can attest to that. I really enjoyed them. I got them right there on my top shelf. Uh, you asked me what the conversation we had on the phone the other day. Uh, with all the cancellations on book signings uh, with the Association of Rhode Island Authors and other groups because of uh, the physical sizes and the libraries are closed, you know, to the public in general like that, it's really put a damper on us, and it's made this new uh, presentation of selling books working hand-in-hand with authors, uh, with the publishers, and with libraries and bookstores doing virtual book discussions. And you wanted to get a little bit more information on that. Yeah, I would like, I would like to know about that, way. Well, the bookstores that do a lot with Internet, uh, that's what kept them afloat through all of this. It really did. And some of them had tremendous spikes in sales. And other ones uh, weren't adept to social media and websites. They really took a, a beating on it. Okay, a virtual book discussion. You can pre-order a signed copy by having one of these events. 99.9% of them are on the same way a town council meeting is being held now or any business groups. It's a company called Zoom. Z-O-O-M. They went from 18,000 subscribers two years to over 300,000 now. And they've adapted with it and they're getting out all the kinks out of it right now. We had a couple of Zoom um, around the holidays, around Easternet. 
We actually did one in my house. We had eight people on it. And you just have to uh, watch for the hesitation. Uh, like when I'm doing a radio show, I have a seven-second delay on the phone system working back and forth. But right. once, once you get the hang of it down there or use hand signals, it, it makes the conversation a lot easier to follow. Well, I know I know a lot of physicians, um, I, I use that approach to deal with their with their patients, but it seems to be effective. I, I know I've dealt a couple of times with, with my doctor as far as interacting with them. It, it kind of helps the barriers move them aside. I did the same thing on one of my, one of my doctor's appointments. I did it right over the phone and uh, lasted 15 minutes, and I'm still here. <laughs> but, you know... So wait, let me tell you a little about um, my, my latest book, The Eldritch Incident. Um, okay. Uh, again, what I'd like to do, I'd like to take um, historical events, like I say, and weave them into my stories. Now, The El- Eldritch Incident is, is a conspiracy theory. There's this theory that in 1944, um, the actual name of the destroyer um, was the USS Eldridge. Now, supposedly... And I guess this is only theory. It, it's up, makes it makes the uh, the novel interesting. You know, I don't know what credibility really, you know, real substance it has. But there's a theory that's out there, and so I take that and develop it. And um, again, we, I take other real historical events, weave it into the story there. And I, I was I was lucky that um, someone from Rhode Island Monthly, uh, one of their editors over there, um, took a look at my book and actually uh, was. Captivated by it, and, and uh, she they around a month. I think it was back in April. They issued a, um, the top ten novels um, that they would recommend for um, to read during the uh, you know those days, long days stuck at home during uh, due to the virus. So I was lucky, very fortunate, uh, to be, you know, uh, made in the top ten books. It was uh, I was uh, very very pleased, very happy with that. How long did it take you to do uh, book number three? Book number three was about, uh, I would say, about a year and a half. year and a half into works on that. Now, uh, I just got to add one other thing on that discussion, on the virtual book discussion. Uh, There's also another software program that emerged that goes hand-in-hand with Zoom. Pre-register anybody that wants to attend this event virtually on Eventbrite service, Eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E, and they handle all of it, especially if there's a payment involved for the book. It, it's really very simple once you get your feet with it, uh, wet on it a couple of times. But that, that's the way to go, and that, it seems to be that's the way the bookstores are doing it. Uh, the bookstore owner will do the interview with the author, and they'll have the book standing up, and all the information is already uh, preloaded into the application when you want to attend. So is that something like the Stillwater Books is Steve Porter? Is he, um... I'm not sure if Steve is into it yet, but I did notice the, there was three or four Rhode Island bookstores where you probably have your other books right now that have added on their service onto their websites. And you'll see okay. it right there. The signups on it are so, so easy. I know I'm, I'm, I should look into that. Um, to be honest, this whole, this whole corona, coronavirus is kind of uh, it's it kind of slowed me down. It's like when it has everybody, if I, uh, you know, it, uh, it's it's the whole learning curve and how how we approach this thing. So I haven't been as aggressive as I should be as been trying to get my book out there. But just um, and, you know, I, I probably should reach out to an unlikely bookstore in um, um, 
Plainville, Massachusetts, unlikely story. Yeah. Uh, and um, see, see if that's something that, you know, format they're offering. And probably we should look into that. You'll make a killing over there. I've been over there three or four times for book signings. Uh, that's the author of Diarrhea of a Wimpy Kid. And right. He got a lot of uh, historical grant money in downtown and bought that three-story old mill complex and turned it into an absolute gem. It's one of the top three in all New England. I put it up there with the Strand from New York. But he's got the whole second floor set up just for presentations. And oh, yeah. I've, I've been there uh, several times. My oh, what a, fairly well there. Yeah, what a no, blueprint. Uh, if you could do that in any of the older villages and cities, including Wasaka right here, would be prime for it, too. That's a, you get in there and do a book signing, advertise the crap out of it, and he also advertises it for you, and you'll have a good turnout. Uh, I'll give you one tip on that. We had uh, Letty, one of our authors that's in our group, did a book signing in that particular place on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock. And I went to it because I like her writing and we're friends. And I says right. to my wife, I says, this is, this is going to be a suicide. Saturday night, 7 o'clock, nobody's going to go to a book signing and give up their weekend. I was, uh, I think, the 42nd person that got off the elevator. She packed the place. Oh, is that right? Oh, it's, what a following that uh, particular place has. Because there was so much promotion involved on it. And uh, really a total success. You will do well down there. Do they have your uh, other two books there now? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Oh, this will be a natural tie-in then. You've already got yeah, this. I, and I, I, I need to reach out to them then. You know, the, the thing is, my wife and I retired um, a while ago and. uh we sold our home in North Alabama. We moved out to Prudence Island uh, permanently. So I've been, we've been so uh, busy trying to get this house um, ready, you know, to put an addition on. And I, I've just been so uh, flat out trying to get things squared away. So, because this is, I wouldn't be hanging my hat here for the rest of my, the rest of my life. So, so you're there here right now? Wow. Yes. Yep. Oh, yep. what a, what a so way to get... Side, you face, uh, Facing Hope Island and Wickford East Greenwich on that side of the bay. I get the sunset every night. Some of the time the sunset's at night. Which time? Uh, well, you know. A beautiful place to grow old, I'll tell you. And we have a half a dozen authors in our group that have written books on Prudence Island. It's really something. Now, Prudence Island, uh, was that a family property you had? Uh, well, my family... Uh, my parents rented a cottage back here in 1952. Uh, I was three years old, and uh, we kind of fell in love with the place. And then back in 1980, I had an opportunity to buy my own house over here, and uh, I did. And spent my summers out here up until uh, about two years ago when we retired. Now, how does that work down there with the ferry service? You probably got a, a couple hundred people in the winter. And then thousands in the summer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's about four to 5,000 people in the summertime. Yeah, and then and of course, the ferry is, uh, now it's coming out, the Prudence can handle about 25 cars at a shot. So it, uh, it's really, it's brought a lot of change to the island. You know? Now, they're also raising some uh, eastern uh, cottontail rabbits out there, hand-in-hand hand with the state of Rhode Island, and then relocating them throughout Rhode Island, another program that's going on down there. I've got to ask you, the ferry is right on schedule, or are they limiting the amount of people they bring over per load? 
they are living um, um, not not uh, in the number of cars, uh, but, but you know within the you know, in the cabin space spaces that there's a limitation. You know, the social distancing occurs in the cabins there. But again, as uh, the governor opens things up, um, you know, so does the ferry. So yeah, it's going to be it's a it's going to be a very different quiet summer. That you know the out of state uh, people are, are not coming in. So like I said, it's going to be a quiet summer. You know, and I'm interested in all of these places like this, uh, Jamestown, Newport. This uh, kind of weird rule they have on quarantine for tourists coming in from other states. It, it's almost like on the honor system. I, I don't think the state police are following uh, license plates anymore at this time. But that's going to be uh, a problem that's going to really be addressed. How big is the tourism on Prudence Island? Does that make or break you here? No, tourism is, is not a um, a big draw. There's, there's nothing to bring the, the tourists here because there's, there's really, uh, it's it's peace and quiet. Most of the people that come here, it's a summer cottage. Uh, they want to get to a beach where it's, it's not packed. And um, you know, I think we have one store, uh, post office. Um, there's not a lot out here to, to attract uh, you know, the tourists. Um, so it's just, it's, I think they did a, a census, uh, um, just recently. I think there's 482 homes out here. Um, so it's people who, uh, you know, came out here for their, for the, you know, their friendships and, um, to get away from it. So nothing is going to attract the tourists out here. And I suppose that's the way we like it. Okay. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the author's hour on WNRI in the Blackstone Valley, but being broadcast 13 different ways worldwide and at the moment we're talking with ken garlic and uh, an author of three books so far in counting and uh madam alice call me madam alice george's hurricane and now eldridge incident third book in the uh, series and uh fantastic reading fantastic cover of the forward on it 302 uh, action pages in this particular book, all available at Stillwater Books, all available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, many bookstores around, Unlikely Story, over in uh, Plainville. And uh, do you have your own website also where they can purchase? Uh, yes, they can. They can uh, any potential customer can reach me through my website, <coughs> KW Garlic Rights. Okay, instead of Ken, it's KWGarlic.com. And that's the best way to do it. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us on our 250th episode of the Authors Hour, a three-timer, and a member of the Association of Rhode Island Authors, and proud to call you a friend also, Ken. Keep up yes, the good sir. work, and if you ever get that house all straightened out, you know how to contact me. I, You know, I could take a ride down there and maybe have a lobster with you, or, you know... Yeah, I, why don't we... I have yeah, a show called The Outdoor Scene, and I've been known to do a little saltwater fishing. Yeah, have you ever been to Prudence, Wayne? Never in my life. Okay, well, now now you have a reason to come out here. We'll have to work something out in the next couple of months. i I got ma- to make an adjustment to that, though. I fished around it in a boat with Wait. my father-in-law, Abel Parquet, but I never stepped foot on it. Well, that's going to happen the next couple of months. All righty. Thank it, you, Ken. Mark it on your calendar. Thank you very much. Now, my wife is listening so right much. now, and I think she's packing your bags. <laughs> thank you, Ken. Wayne, thank you so much. Take okay, have one of the best days of your life. Likewise to you. Take care, Wayne. Bye-bye.
Now his good friend Ken Garlick on his third book, The Eldridge Incident. Fantastic. Hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of cable TV watching. The whole world has. Especially those old uh, four-hour movies on Turner. Oh, Jeff is going to be hooked on those old ones. But I always go back to American Pickers with Mike and Frank. And boy, Frank has lost a lot of weight. I hope he's not sick. And Storage Wars, you know, I really enjoy those shows. But they all have a thing that's similar now when they discover older sneakers. It's like hitting the lottery. And right now we have a company that's adjusted to that. The SneakerOutlet.com at 10 Main Street, One Socket, 401-648-1242. Or check out their website, thesneakeroutlet.com. You can look at their vast inventory. You can trade up, trade down with a plug for shoes. The Sneaker Outlet is your one stop from everything from sneakers of old to sneakers of new. On top of the sale of new release sneakers, they also uh, specialize in dead stock and refurbished sneakers. All on one to roof, the Sneaker Outlet. 10 Main Street, one socket. If you're looking for, to place it where it is on Main Street, it's right next to that iconic New York lunch. I got eight wieners to go over there for Sunday. Really, really nice. And also, you know, as everything opens up now with the epidemics and stuff like that, people get hyper and excited going to the beach finally and this and that. And you're always going to forget the keys and the key fob in the car. Now, who are you going to call? You're going to call an ex-wife and get reminded of the last two uh, alimony payments are not in the mail? You're going to call Ghostbusters? No. You should be calling Larry's 24-Hour Towing, 401-568-6286, lockout service, jump start service, any type of transportation. Did you just get the stimulus and you bought a car, truck, or a motorcycle? How are you going to get it home without getting tagged? Call Larry's 24-Hour Towing, 401-568-6286. Did you know they share the same building with Boroughville Motors and used auto and truck sales, vehicle state inspections, new arrivals every day, expert bodywork, insurance estimates, ASE certified mechanics? You know the heat wave's coming. And you know it with your AC's working right now. All winter, everybody plays with that switch. Get it booked now by appointment, 401-568-6286. Marvel Motor Sales. I wonder, wonder who, who, who wrote the book out loud. Yeah. 
1958. We'd like to thank our guests today on our 250th edition of the Author's Hour, The Road to Delano by John D. Simone and K.W. Garlic. Thank you very much for tuning in and making this all possible. Remember tomorrow, have the best day of your life. Thank you to our fine sponsors, guests, and emailers at waynewnri at yahoo.com and for tuning in to the Author's Hour. Remember to shop locally and to read a book. And tomorrow, please have the best day of your life. Your host, Wayne G. Barber.